The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 23rd chapter. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide Jesus' clothing. And the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at Jesus, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him saying, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding Jesus and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked the criminal saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The gospel of the Lord. I invite the congregation to be seated. So uh, my plan for this Christ the King Sunday was to, uh, to talk about some of the issues that we have with the idea of kings and kingdoms you know, in terms of how we understand human power, in terms of, you know, just being American people. And we don't have any kings and things like that. Um, I was going to open with a story of how it took me two days to change my brake pads, and it caused me to miss Legos and clean up for the congregation. And how, you know, we we can do just about anything, but the things that we practice, you know, we can do more quickly, like changing brakes. And the kingdom of God is a similar thing. The more frequently we make an attempt to live within God's kingdom, the, the more accustomed we will, we will be to what it takes to live there, and the less friction it will cause trying to fit in. And those would have been wonderful points. And then I, I woke up this morning and I saw the news of five more murdered and 18 more injured at Club Q in Colorado Springs. And it took me back to June 12th in 2015, 16, when uh, over 20 people were murdered at Pulse Nightclub. It took me back to June 17th, 2015, when I saw that nine people were murdered and martyred at Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. And I found out later that it was someone who had grown up in an ELCA congregation less than a mile from the office where I worked. And... You know, the thing that it brought to me first was grief, because holy cow, and then anger, and then all the different things that go with that. And part of what I recognized my anger is, is that part of what it means to live in the kingdoms of this world and, and the cultures of this world, the, the cultures that divide, the, the cultures that name each other as somehow subhuman based on things we can't control, sometimes based on our politics, sometimes, well, we can control our politics, but sometimes based on our race or our gender or our orientation. A nation where on the one hand this week we will celebrate Thanksgiving for, for what happened that turned out to be fortunate for the pilgrims that had already turned out and continued to be less fortunate 
for those who lived on the land already, that our culture, whether in the United States or just about every nation that's come before, is rooted in the idea that equality only counts for some people, that humanity is only available for some people, that everybody else can be considered less than, and not only is it culturally okay, but we tend to have laws that encourage it. And I I bring that today because I think if we're going to take seriously the idea that Christ is our king, that the kingdom of God is something different, that we as the people of God are called to something different, to a different ethic, to different values, I think it's important that we begin by naming the things in our world that are broken. I think it's important to recognize those things in our world that are unjust so that we might begin to appreciate what it means to actually see the arc of history, the arc of our hope of salvation, the arc of our hope for not just our salvation, some glad morning when this life is over and somewhere we're floating on clouds with harps, with angels or whatever, but the idea that salvation is something that begins now through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that there is no perfect victim that there will be people who are making hay by talking about, well, these people were out partying. These people were out drinking. These people were, and if you know, you know. Did you see what she was wearing? We always do our best to ruin the integrity of the victim because we have no intention of coming to grips with what the real damage of human sin really is. That in sin, we lose our humanity. In sin, we degrade the humanity of others. That in sin, even though we know the inequality in which we live and the way that our cultures throughout history have destroyed the humanity of others, we rest our heads easy, a lot of us, knowing that that will very seldom visit our own doorstep. Now this isn't made, well maybe it is a little bit to make us feel uncomfortable because I do right now, but it's not to make people feel guilty. But there is something about the cross in the reading today that I believe calls us to keep our eyes open because there is something in this story that I think is really striking to me. There are two criminals hanging on the cross and I have traditionally heard this preached that the one criminal who derided Jesus is the one who doesn't get grace, even though it says that nowhere in this text. Nowhere in this text does Jesus condemn either of them. And there is one criminal who says, why are you giving Jesus a hard time? He didn't do anything, but we're getting what we deserve. And so that's the good thief. You know, we have even on the cross, we have someone who is a worthy victim and someone who is an unworthy victim. And the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are confronted with a reality that all of us have fallen short and sinned. We confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We've sinned against God in thought, word, word and deed by what we've done and by, by what we've left undone. We've not loved God as, with our whole hearts. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And that is one reality in which we dwell. But the only place that reality binds us is in the reality of this world that we choose. Because we hear also these words that are said every Sunday. To a room full of people who all of us have sinned, all of us are broken, all of us have issues. 
In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ is given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. And words that I say, even though some people don't like them because talking about being called an ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by this authority somehow sounds too clerical, like all of a sudden the pastor said above. But what it reminds me is that as a pastor, I have a calling. And that as people of God, we have a calling to live into the freedom that comes from what we hear proclaimed by the mercy of God. That all of our sins are forgiven. And we wrestle in God's kingdom with the reality that God's kingdom is merciful. God's kingdom is not just. And for that I give thanks. I give thanks because justice demands things. Justice demands an evening of the scales. Justice demands fairness. Justice demands an eye for an eye. That's in the Bible. You know, justice demands that that we make the punishment fit the crime. And we think that we have a justice system in this country. But we have a legal system. And that's ultimately what justice orientation turns into. Legality. The, The systems that end up oppressing the people who are vulnerable. Because fair is fair. And if you can't pay the fine, then what else are we going to do with you but send you to jail? If you can't pay the overdraft, then maybe you can't have a bank account. If, if you're different than everybody else and you're gay or you're trans or you're whatever, or you're in certain times in our culture, if you're a woman, why should you have the rights? And, and that is the result of justice, trying to make everything overly fair. The good news, the hard news is that the kingdom of God is merciful. There is no condemnation for either prisoner, even though we really don't know what happens to either of them other than they are crucified beside Jesus. No one here condemns you, so I don't condemn you either. Let the one without sin cast the first stone to the woman caught in adultery. To one who was sick on the Sabbath, Jesus healed them, even though the temple authorities got angry with him. For the, for the Samaritan woman to whom Jesus shouldn't have spoken, Jesus asked her to draw water from the well at the well of Jacob. And in this interaction, we see Jesus recognize the humanity of someone else. And in another scene where a woman comes and asks for healing and Jesus says something that is very much rooted in his culture, why should I take what is holy and throw it before dogs? And the woman says, even the dogs eat the scraps from the master's table. We see Jesus relent from the culture that he grew up in and embrace the ethic of the kingdom of God that nobody eats the scraps at God's table, but we're all welcome there. The kingdom of God calls us to embrace something that is hard and counterintuitive that mercy is better than justice. Because it's easy to pray for justice. It's easier to pray for vengeance. It's easier to give in to the anger and the hurt and the frustration and the senselessness of it because all of that's present. And yet, we're called to something different. And I don't say this as any way to let anything off the hook. I say this because this puts us on the hook in a different way in a way that that changes the way we respond to this. And I think of uh, Paul's admonition to be joyful. And 
Paul says in, in Romans, we rejoice in our sufferings because suffering re- produces hope and hope produces endurance and endurance produces character and character does not disappoint us. And this isn't some silly be happy even when things are bad because we have Jesus. Paul is talking about boasting and sufferings because in suffering that has purpose, we have cause to rejoice. Character produces hope and hope will not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And where there is love, where there is God's hope, where there is God's renewal, where there is God's presence, hope wins the day because God's justice is mercy. And so on the cross, where there is no hope, where there is no escape, where everybody who goes up comes down dead, Jesus included, there is hope for us because we recognize that in the death and resurrection of Jesus at Christ, the crucifixion is not the end, but it is the statement of God's love that wherever you are, Wherever you are vulnerable, wherever you are hurting, wherever you are reviled, wherever you are broken, wherever you feel different, wherever you feel cast out, wherever your shame or pain or personality or whatever happens to you leads you in those places that feel like hell, this is where the kingdom of God begins, where your heart is salted earth and you think nothing can ever grow again. The kingdom of God is the glimmer of light shining through in the darkness, declaring that where I am, hell has no dominion. So as we celebrate Christ the King today, and we talk about having joy in the midst of our sorrow, it's not a joy that's happy, but it's the joy of the promise of the resurrection, knowing that love truly is stronger than all things, including death. Not only that, but where there is love, there is hope, and there is mercy, and there is room for us all. Amen.